Know who you are and what you're really great at and not, right? Know who you're not and what you're not really great at and get help for those gaps. That's it. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's extremely powerful, extremely powerful in both business and investing. What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Mark C. Winters. Today, we're talking about rocket fuel. We're talking about entrepreneurship. We're talking about the the visionary and integrator duo combo. And Mark is going to teach you about that concept. And I'm really trying to come at this from an angle of what should passive investors be looking for when they're considering investing with an entrepreneurial team? You need to know what to look for. We talk with so many successful real estate investors on this show, and every single one will tell you when you're looking at a real estate investment or any kind of passive investment in a private placement, you need to focus on the team and make sure the team has the knowledge and experience to deliver. And that's the angle that I'm trying to come at this today and learn more about what to look for in a sponsorship team that's doing really any kind of deal. If you're investing in a, I don't care if you're investing in a private placement real estate deal, or you're investing in some kind of venture capital angel investing deal, you need to know what to look for in the team. We've learned that from our past guests that are experts in not only real estate, but also uh, other kinds of entrepreneurship. You got to look at the team. And today we're getting the formula to do that, how to evaluate that team. Mark has a tremendous amount of experience. He's going to tell you, tell us about some of his entrepreneurial uh, experiences. He started, I think he says, 14 companies. Some of them have gone on to fantastic success and made a ton of money, and some of them not so much. And we get into those. We'll talk about that. You're going to learn about that today. But he is the kind of guy, he is exactly the guy you need to listen to if you want to learn these lessons about what to look for in an entrepreneurial team. The message is normally tailored toward the actual entrepreneurs out doing it. And we do have some of those entrepreneurs that listen to this show. So this is for you too. But really, if you're looking at a passive investment, got to look at the team and you want to make sure that they've got the right visionary and integrator there. And we talk about, again, what to look for. Depends on the industry. We get into some of the nuances. So super interesting discussion and you know mark's fun guy you're gonna learn a lot today i sure did for those of you who are new to the show i'm your host taylor Lowe. i'm a real estate investor real estate syndicator i buy multifamily real estate with passive investors and split the return i've read mark's book i've read his uh, partner gino wickman's book traction and uh these guys are putting out so much fantastic information that comes recommended from so many awesome people that we've had on the show before, and I'm just thrilled to bring this interview to you today. Without any further ado, here we go with Mark Winters. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate you having me on. I'm super excited to talk with you. You have so much experience in building, selling businesses, and all about helping entrepreneurial teams as well. For those out there who somehow don't know, about your experience and your story. Can you tell us a bit about what you do and what you've done? Yeah, so I started in big corporate and then I caught the entrepreneurial bug and, and led to a series of, of businesses of my own. 
So I think the count's up to like 14 companies that I either have started myself or acquired or shut down or sold to somebody else, you know, all different industries and all different uh, levels of success, uh, you know, from, from really, really bad stuff that, uh, you know, basically lost it all to stuff where, you know, we generated a, a you know, hundred X cash on cash return and, in just a couple of years. So, you know, all of that stuff has led me to a place where now my focus is really on it's helping entrepreneurs uh, to get unstuck because I got stuck a number of times and I see other entrepreneurs get stuck uh, so that they can really, you know, expand what I call their unique freedom uh, exponentially and, and really focusing on help them do that by crystallizing their understanding and, and, and making sure that they're connected and, and really are able to maximize what we call the visionary integrator uh, combination in their in their business. So we've got the the power that we need at the at the leadership level of of that entrepreneurial company. Awesome. So that's something I wanted to talk with you uh, about today: the the visionary integrator concept and what that means. And when we're investing in teams that we're you know are going to be handling our money for us and building a business or running a real estate investment, what we need to know from the outside looking in when we're investing with these folks. So can you introduce us to that idea of the visionary and the integrator? Sure. And so you know, it's all captured in a, in a book that I wrote with my good friend, Gino Wickman called Rocket Fuel. And so Rocket Fuel lays out this structure and, and the, the approach to, to make it powerful, to make it effective. But at its, at its heart, it's the idea that there are two different types of leaders at the at the top of an entrepreneurial company, and one is the the visionary entrepreneur, which should probably be very familiar to your listeners. You know, that's the classic entrepreneur that has an idea and goes and starts something. They have tons of ideas. It turns out they're you know, very future oriented thinkers. They see where things are going. They're great at starting new relationships externally and, and developing strategic ones, but they're typically not great at execution. They're not great at follow through. They're not great at details. So uh, that's where you have the you know the frustrated entrepreneurs that you know they got lots of ideas all over the place, but they just can't seem to make them happen. And then the integrator is, in contrast, great at that stuff. So they are very execution focused. They're they're great with the details. They're great at follow through, and so they are primed to take these ideas from a visionary and make them real, to to make them happen, to make them work. And so uh, that's that's who they are. That's how they're different. On our on our website, rocketfuelnow.com, we actually have an assessment tool that that people can take that gives them a score. Uh, for where they sort of sit on the spectrum in terms of their visionaryness and their integratorness, and then you know we've got some some help to help people figure out what to do with that. Um, so does that give you kind of the the level of clarity you want there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I'd like to dig more into you know what goes right and wrong when you know one component is there, whether you have a a visionary and no integrator or an integrator and no visionary. You know, let's get into what happens when you have one and not the other, if anything happens. Yeah. So, so sort of the typical thing that we see is that there's a, a visionary because nothing starts till somebody starts something and goes and sells something and kind of gets going. So a lot of times somebody built this company up by themselves. They have a small team around them and they're sort of doing everything and they've had to do everything just to survive and get this thing going. Right. And then they reach a point, they start adding some people. And they really are kind of bringing the pieces together and, and doing sort of a classic, what we would consider integrator function, but they don't know it. They, they aren't aware maybe of the, 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 the structure, the language. They don't know what to call it. They don't even realize they're doing two different things or just kind of doing it all. 
And so when we, when we show them this and make it visible, so we draw the boxes of here's a visionary box, here's what it does, here's the integrator box, here's what it does. You're doing both of these things right now just to show, show you what's happening. And then get them to start thinking about what they're doing well and what they really enjoy doing. Over a period of time, which usually doesn't take very long, they start to see, wow, I'm not doing that very well. And the team starts to see it. So you, you make this visible to the rest of the team and they're like, oh yeah, you're terrible at that. You know, we hate that, right? We, we would love to have somebody who is really good at that, at the way it's, it's kind of described. So classic situation is visionary is frustrating their team because they're kind of all over the place, kind of crazy and, you know, looking this way, looking that way, and everybody's trying to keep up with them and just can't. And meanwhile, they're super frustrated because nothing's happening. It's just not getting done. Uh, It's taking longer. Uh, It's costing too much. Why do y'all not understand me? Right. It's all that kind of thing that, that goes on in a classic visionary's brain. So they're frustrated. And then, uh, you know, the other situation that we'll see ever once in a while is there's just an integrator and they have no visionary and, and you kind of go, well, wait, how does that happen? If, if you need a visionary to kind of start the business, how would we end up in a situation like that? Well, maybe they bought it. Maybe they are the, the second generation of a visionary that started the company. So they inherited it. Uh, so there's something, and again, they're kind of there by themselves with this business and this team and, Think about this, we call it the, the, the really a visionary spectrum and an integrator spectrum in terms of how much of each a certain business type needs. And on the visionary spectrum, if it's a simple business, it just isn't changing a lot. It's not a lot of complexity. There's not a, not super competitive. There's not a lot of regulation, regulatory kind of craziness that's going on. That may be fine to just have an integrator and just execute. So it's basically take what we got and milk everything you can out of it and just make it run and make it consistent, make it easy, easy, easy. Uh, that may be fine. But if they're in an industry, just an integrator that is uh, growing like crazy and there's all kinds of stuff moving around and it's very dynamic and, and there's there's tons of, of moving parts, they may get killed because they don't see it. They are certainly going to miss lots of opportunity because they're just not tuned into it as well as a visionary would be. So, so they're sort of suboptimal there, but again, they probably don't even realize it until they kind of lay the structure out there and, and go, okay, I'm actually pretty good at one of these, but I'm not good at that other one. And are we getting hurt by that or not? Interesting. So as you've you know described these things, something that sticks out in my mind is, you know, a big guy in the say entrepreneurship media now is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's talked a few times about, at least when I've listened to him about how there's so much pardon the phrase, entrepreneur porn out there. Everybody wants to be the visionary when, and in, to use your terms, if I'm interpreting it, they want to be the visionary when they might really be an integrator. He says, entrepreneur slash executive, something like that. Is, am I getting those ideas right? And you know, Yeah. So, so there's a lot of stuff we could talk about there. So, so one is, yeah, uh, there's something really cool about a true integrator, which is they don't care. They're not ego driven. Uh, again, this is something that our assessments kind of get to. They don't need to be the the face. They don't need to get all the kudos for all the cool stuff that's happened. They sort of get their their thrills from seeing it work and knowing that they put put it all together, right? So, so that's one thing that I would kind of react to there. Another thing is, you know, and actually, I was uh, I was talking to my co-author Gino Wickman and and good friend a little bit earlier today, and his new book, Entrepreneurial Leap, is is focused on entrepreneurs in the making. 
Okay. So people who think they might be an entrepreneur or want to be, and one of the things we talked about is it's like, it's cool. And this is what Gary Vee will talk about, right? It's cool to be an entrepreneur. Now there was a time when it wasn't, you know, now everybody thinks it's cool. So yeah, I'm one. And so, you know, Gino's stuff in, in entrepreneurial leap, it, there's assessment there where you can kind of get into, are you really? And, uh, cause, cause a lot of people I think don't realize what it takes. Uh, you know, you, you, you head off on a journey like this and it's, uh, it can be super hard and painful. And, and if you don't have the right components, if you don't have the right wiring, your odds of success are, you know, dramatically less than somebody who, who has that right, right makeup. So anyway, Gino's work is all about that. I think you're onto something. I think, I think, you know, Gary is onto something there when, you know, people are following the cool thing, the ego driven thing, and not just the being really honest with themselves about who they are. Yeah, it's a big thing in, in the marketing and, you know, there's so much cool stuff that comes from entrepreneurs in our, daily life today now compared to say 50 years ago or something like that. A lot of the neat stuff we have, Elon Musk, all the names and everything you think of a, of a particular brand of person. Now from the investor perspective, if we're looking at investing in a business, investing in a team and trying to figure out, do we have, you know, we have probably have a visionary. Do they have the right integrator on board? And, you know, is this and are they set up for success? How do you think about that, particularly if we're looking at a team? Yeah, so it's really the two scenarios that that you know we went through before, where you know it's a visionary without an integrator potentially, which is the most common thing to look for, I would say. But you may find that they they do have one. They may be implementing exactly the structure that we prescribe. If so, great. I think what that does, Taylor, is that that drives a significant amount of uncertainty out of the investment. Uh, just to have that structure in place, it, it really, there's a de-risking that goes with that. And then there's also just the, the expected success, expected growth, I think is, uh, uh, is much more significant. Um, on the other side, I think it's, you know, depending on what type of investment it is, again, you know, your folks are focused on, you know, passive, you know, passive investments, a lot of them, right? So, so it's things where you, know, you just want to see the checks come in. And so some of those may be in that, simple, you know, low complexity kind of business where it may be fine that they don't have a visionaries, but that's the question I would be asking as an investor is, you know, let's look at that. Let's, let's think about it. Are they, are they sub-optimizing? Are they at risk? Are they, you know, can they get put out of business because they won't see it coming uh, on, on, on that side. And then on the other side, if they don't have it, then that may be a big upside opportunity. If somebody like that, you know, depending on what kind of communication goes on there, if we could add that, that position to the leadership team, boom, yeah, we might be able to uh, make this thing go a lot faster and a lot farther. Um, the other thought I would have for you on this, just kind of evaluating investments is one of the, we'll talk about the five rules and the five tools and really the role of the integrator. And one of the things that they own is what we call the operating system of the business. And so EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system is an example of one, but the, the integrator, if they're really doing what they're supposed to do, they're going to have selected an operating system. They're going to have implemented it in the organization to make sure that everything's working. And that's going to, again, systematically drive out a lot of risk and help us really focus and harness that, you know, the human energy that's in the organization and get it really laser focused on what it is we're trying to accomplish and where we're trying to go. So when I think about, you know, operating system of a company, the first things that come to mind, 
probably the most obvious thing are the actual procedures, templates, you know, here's the step that we make our process, here's how we do our marketing, things like that. But I guess what are some non-obvious aspects of a company's operating system? Great question. So I'd actually play at a level higher, you know, at least one or two planes up from kind of where, where you first went, which is, you know, the first piece is vision, right? So we got to be crystal clear on where it is we're trying to go and how we're going to get there. And then we've got to make sure that everybody in the organization, side to side, top to bottom is all hundred percent on the same page about what that looks like. Again, we all got to be pulling on the same rope in the same direction, right? So that's, that's step one. Step two, we call it traction. And that's about making sure that, you know, consistently every day when we you know wake up and we charge off into the real world, what we see begins to look more and more like that vision of where we want to go. So we have this feeling of, oh, we're getting closer. That gives us more confidence. That confidence gives us more energy to tackle the stuff that we need to tackle along the way. And then the third thing is, it's just healthy, right? It's, it's health in the organization. And, you know, think about when you're sitting in a meeting or on a Zoom call or whatever with the other folks that are on the team and you're looking at all these faces, right? You should feel like, you know what? We really do have the right folks here to do the stuff that we need to get done. And there's nothing we can't talk about. It's all just stuff. We're not afraid to bring things up. We bring it up, we put it on the table, and we talk it through, and then we figure out how to use that stuff to get closer to this place that we're all trying to go. So, so that's what a good operating system is making happen. And it does so, you know, by there's different tools and processes and, and things that kind of support that. But ultimately, that's the that's the big three of what we're after. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of our interview that you have a number of experiences in starting and selling companies or shutting them down. And I wanted to, you know, learn more about those experiences and maybe some, you know, mistakes that you made along the way. There are you know, they weren't all sold for a hundred X cash on cash return. So just some uh, tough lessons that you learned in starting those companies. Yeah. So the, the first one is, you know, the way that my entrepreneurial journey started was really, I was in a, a, a class in business school and I, at the time I was working for Procter and Gamble. And so I was in the grocery business indirectly or, or maybe directly. And I was watching these teams do their presentations on, you know, this widget that they had invented and how many they could sell, how much they could sell it for, or this service concept that had an unmet need and how much they could sell it for and how much it would cost them to deliver. And I thought, man, that's just so much more interesting than what I'm doing. You know, I'm selling diapers, I'm selling coffee, I'm selling, right? And and my future is just, you know, bigger grocery chains and, and headquarters and, you know, more products, right? So uh, anyway, I, I decided that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And I didn't have though, here's my idea, right? Here's my thing I'm going to go do. So I truly made the leap. I decided that, you know, to make this thing work, I needed to burn my ships. And so I quit my corporate job with Procter and Gamble, which was, you know, a really good gig. And people thought I was insane, uh, to go out and, and figure out what I was going to do and then ultimately went and made it happen. But I was young and all I knew was I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I wanted to start my own thing. And so the person I described that gets stuck, you know, they, they make this entrepreneurial leap because they think, man, I'm going to make tons of money. I'm going to have tons of time. I'm going to hang out with nothing but cool people. And I'm going to have a huge impact on the world. And then you fast forward 12 months, 18 months or whatever, and you check in on them. And they've never been paid less at an hourly rate than what they're be paying in, right? Because they're working, you know, for all the time. They're hanging out with people that they have to hang out with uh, that they don't like just to survive. You know, they're, they have no time at all. 
and and they they're not making anything and they they really aren't making a difference so they feel like they are so they're kind of stuck and so that that happened to me and when i look back on it one of the big reasons that it happened was I was not using any kind of an operating system the way that we just talked about it. I didn't have that. I didn't have that kind of clarity. I didn't have that kind of focus. I wasn't able to get that kind of execution. I wasn't understanding the the different people things that were going on in terms of, of really being a healthy team. So, you know, I failed at that in business number one, got a little better probably in, in the second one. And then I started to use a system, right? And, and that was a, a big difference for me. It made it much easier for me. Uh, success rate, you know, got better. It was better for my team. My, my people liked that a lot better because I wasn't the crazy guy that was all over the place, at least not as bad. Uh, so it made it really better for everybody. So when you talk about just kind of a lesson through all of that, that, that was a pretty big one was it's, it's important to have an operating system in the business. Interesting. Well, you know, the, the good news is you didn't completely go bust after leaving that job. Did you stay in business school? Did you finish business school or did you completely fin- drop fin- out? Finished business school, actually hooked up with one of my professors and, uh, you know, as a consultant, kind of a tag along. And so that's what funded my search. So I was able to kind of travel around with him, do work, get paid a little bit while I saw things and, and sort of explored things and uh, ultimately figured out what my first first project was going to be. Nice. Wow. Well, that is brave. And there are a lot of folks out there who I talk with on, you know, these investing forums and things who are younger, they're in college or thinking about dropping out. Um, you've, you made it all the way through, but you know, what's your, just generally, what's your thought about that? Especially in the entrepreneurship space, everybody wants to be the next Zuckerberg and he dropped yeah. out of school and Bill Gates, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Stay in school or drop out. Actually, Gino and I just had a conversation on this this morning. I mean, it's, it's funny that you're asking these things. So, so I got to I got to point people back to Entrepreneurial Leap, his book, because he literally has a chapter on this on college or not. And and so he has his views. My view, from my experience, is the real value of of school was it's the the relationships that I made. You know, it's the the thinking tools, but it's not necessarily that I learned this or that. And there's a little bit of a credibility thing that that, that goes with it to be able to do the first deals that I did. Uh, but the bigger thing, you know, for me, Taylor, is it's the other people around you. Okay, so if if I'm single, and you know, I'm the only one that I've got to worry about, I'm basically indestructible because I feel like I can recover from anything because I don't care. I can live in a car. I can do whatever. Right. I mean, or at least when I was younger, I thought that way. And, and so, uh, you know, it, you know, whatever, I'll figure it out. But my story is a little bit different. So when I quit that job, it wasn't just me. I was married and she was pregnant and I didn't talk to her about it before I made that decision. So I had the, you know, the pleasant, task of making a phone call, uh, and going, Hey honey, guess what I just did. And so you can imagine how that went. And, uh, you know, so then, you know, it, it, anyway, my poor wife, uh, who is still, is still my wife and I'm, I'm so blessed to, to have her, uh, you know, she's, she's got taken along for, for quite a ride with, with me and uh, to her credit, she's, she stayed with me and, and supported me all, all along the way. It doesn't happen for everybody though. So that's back to your question of these people that are thinking in their early days about taking this chance or that chance, you know, everybody's story doesn't turn out like mine, like that. And so I have lots of friends that their marriage was destroyed. Uh, you know, their, their relationship with their kids was destroyed and you know, what's most important to you. 
And, you know, to me, that's what it is. It's, it's my relationship with, with my family. And so, you know, also kind of in those early days, I'd say after the first business, before the second business, I sort of got recalibrated because what I saw happening to some other people, I said, look, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to miss these times with my children. I'm not going to miss these times with my family. I'm going to make that a priority. And then, you know, we'll figure out a way to make this other stuff work. And because that's the stuff, those relationships, those are the things that I want to be with me for, you know, forever, for the rest of my life. And, and hopefully it's a, it's a good lot of years to come. Nice. Well, I'm glad it all worked out for you right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Mark, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. All right. Number one, what is the best investment you ever made? So it's my own businesses. It's the businesses that I've run. So at one point I had a little bit of money to put into something and I was working with some investment advisors and they basically said, you're going to hate this. You just need to take this and invest it in you and, and the projects that you're passionate about and feel strong about. And so really that's, that's what I've done. And the, the things that have been successful or most successful for me in, in terms of a real investment return, you know, subscription-based models that are scalable, that generate a, a significant monthly re- recurring revenue. And so that's the, that's the model that I've been focused on putting together and trying to build. So that's what's worked for me best. Interesting. Subscription-based models that scale. I have to learn more about that sometime. But now we're on to the second question. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Bought a bike company. So I was a pretty, pretty into cycling and had an opportunity to buy a, a bicycle company. And, you know, I, people would joke around and they would say, you know, what's the quickest way to you know burn a million bucks? Get in the Start bike business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Start with two and get in the bike business. And, and so uh, I sort of lived that. And uh, yeah, it's not necessarily just because that was a sector I was in. A little bit of it had to do with the fact that it was 2008 that we ran into. And you know, I was selling bicycles that sold for between $10,000 and $15,000 a piece. Uh, so that was something that people, yeah, they could do without if the economy is not great right now. So anyway, that that was uh, far and away my my worst investment. Uh, if, if you don't mind me asking, total bust, did you get out of it with you know anything left over? I consider it a loss. I mean, it, it, you know, there's a, there's, you could say I didn't lose everything. I definitely learned some things, you know, and, and uh, frankly, the, the, we were, it's, it, well, it was working. I mean, it was there. We had totally changed the business model from one where we would put, uh, you know, put inventory out into the retail channel. And the way that the cash flow works on that in the bicycle business is crazy. So the manufacturer basically doesn't get paid until that stuff sells. It's almost like putting it out in consignment, which is crazy. Two, we flipped it to use a basically direct consumer model using technology, using the internet. So we're working directly with the end consumer on a highly customized solution. What that does is that doubles the margin on the frame itself. Plus, I can sell the whole componentry package to them at full retail margin. So you know, I'm basically making triple the profit on each unit that I sell uh, with all, all the cash coming at time of, of person. I'm never behind in terms of, of having to finance the, the stuff. So that was all great. Uh, just the e- economy ran into a, an issue that, that made it hard to drive any unit sales or meaningful unit sales, I should say. So yeah, it was, it was a big hit. And you know, I still own the intellectual property. Uh, but there are some production issues, 
tied to the defense industry that make it, it's just a hard one to, to solve. And, you know, I don't know, somebody, if they had enough energy, they could probably go do it. But I've got other things like the things that are more scalable that are of more interest to me. Nice. Wow. Well, I appreciate the, the explanation as in these days when, you know, we had the retail apocalypse, we're still in a recession though. People probably cut back on their 10 to $15,000 bikes. So probably tough to start. That happens. That (laughs) happens. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Yeah. So if I'm going to boil this down to one thing, I think it really applies to both business and investing. It's, it's know who you are and what you're really great at and not right. Know who you're not and what you're not really great at and get help for those gaps. That's it. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's extremely powerful extremely powerful in both business and investing. Wow. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that on a personal level. I've, you know, always, especially right now, trying to focus on a, a couple of holes in my game and patch those up. And when you meet awesome people like you and many of the guests we've had on this show, you just find more holes in your own game. It's, it's the most fun. Uh, well, Mark, thank you for joining us today and teaching us about the visionary and integrator combo, the entrepreneurial operating system, and some of your lessons from the entrepreneurship game. If folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, where can they find you? So first is markcwinners.com. So that that's the website that basically has all the different things that I'm working on, uh, specifically rocketfuelnow.com if you want to dive into the visionary and integrator stuff. And then I'm at markcwinners on all the social platforms. So that's the uh, easy way to get a hold of me. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks once again for joining us to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. We'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.